can you stand a little humor this morning? What's the difference? Do you know the difference between a bad golfer and a bad skydiver? A bad golfer says, smack! Oh, no! A bad skydiver says, oh, no! Smack! (laughs) You know, we can be bad at a lot of things in life. I mean, we can be bad at sports and skydiving and golf and tennis or whatever, but we can also be bad at life. You know any people that are just, just bad? There was a lady on her way home from work, and she said, I'm going to stop by the butcher shop and get a chicken. i got company coming tonight. She stops by the butcher shop and says, I want one of those fresh chickens, and he puts it up on the scale, and it says three pounds. She says, that's not enough. I need a bigger one. Well, what she didn't know is that was the last chicken. But she put it back in the barrel. He swapped it around a little bit pulled it back out and put it on the scale, and he said, oh, here's one, one pound more. It's four pounds. She says, okay, give me both of them. (laughs) So, you know, that butcher was not a very good guy, was he? He was bad, and he was busted at this point. He was in big-time trouble. But, you know, we go through our lives sometimes, and people might look at us and characterize us as being bad people. But as, as followers of Christ... As the church, as Christians, disciples, whatever you want to call us, we're supposed to be good people. In fact, the Bible says we are supposed to be holy. Holy means set apart for God. And that's the way we're supposed to live. We started this series a few weeks ago called Disciple. And in this series, we've been talking about what a disciple really looks like. And we've said that they are committed followers of Christ, that they worship together, that they grow spiritually, that they serve humbly. Last week, Chris preached, and he talked about they they give cheerfully. And then today, we're going to talk about the idea that they live faithfully. So, as disciples of Jesus Christ, God calls us to live faithfully. Now, I want you to think about this question today as we get started. How are we to live faithfully in this corrupt world today? I mean, have you looked around? The world is a corrupt place. It is a crazy place. It's all around. So how do you live for the Lord without withdrawing yourself from all the turmoil that's going on around us? I mean, we have to go to work. Some of us have to go to school. Uh, We participate in various activities all around us. How do we do that with such a corrupt world? How can we maintain our faithful walk with Christ as we go about that? One woman prayed this prayer in the morning. She said, Lord, I haven't cussed. I haven't been mean to anybody. I haven't took your name in vain. I haven't... uh, gossiped about anybody, haven't judged anybody, but I'm going to get out of bed now and I'm probably going to need your help. And you know, a lot of times that may be the way we feel, that you know we're just going to mess up as we go about our lives. I want you to remember something for a minute, our theme for this year. You remember what it is? Everything we need. And in the context of that passage over in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, God has given us Excuse me, it's 2 Peter chapter 1. God has given us everything we need 
to live a life of godliness. But that is based on our knowledge of and our faith in Jesus. And so if we're his disciples, we have knowledge of him, faith in him, then we should be able to live that godly life. I'd like for you to turn today to 1 Peter chapter 2 now, and that's where we're going to look. Peter's written two letters. Uh, both of these letters are part of what we call the general letters, and that includes James and 1, 2, and 3 John and the book of Jude. And those are toward the end of your Bible, right in front of Revelation. And but this particular letter, or these general letters, are not written to anybody specific. They're not written to a specific church like Corinth, Corinthian letters. They're not written to an individual like the book of Timothy. But they are written to just a whole group of churches. Peter's writing to the churches in what was called Asia Minor in that day. It's modern-day Turkey. And it included churches in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia, these regions in the Roman Empire, a big array of churches. But Peter's writing to these people who are following Christian ways. They're trying to live the Christian life, but the Romans are persecuting them because they're Christians. And they are really, uh, uh, you know, they're ridiculed because of their faith. So Peter's writing to encourage them and to help them see how they can live their lives in the midst of all that Roman paganness, they can live their lives for Jesus Christ. So read with me here, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll begin at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves." Now let's break down that passage just a minute. And I want you to think about what Peter's saying. You see, Peter shows us several ways to live the faithful life. There's a number of ways that he talks about here. Remember, being a, a believer in Christ, a Christian, is not just something we say we are so we get to heaven. It's about living the life of a disciple of a follower of Jesus Christ and striving to follow His will. And Peter says, here's some ideas that will help you as you go about that. Now notice he talks about being uh, foreigners and exiles. Why would he call them foreigners and exiles? Here's why. Because as Christian people, our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now you may be a citizen of the United States of America. That's a temporary thing. Because one day you're going to pass from this earth. And if you're a Christian, your citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. So, we are people of God. We are citizens of His kingdom. So the first thing he says here in verse 11, abstain from sinful desires. Now, we all have them. Sin is around every corner. We get tempted all the time. Uh, temptation is not a sin 
but we do get tempted. Some of you may not even realize the sin that's in your life. Let's go for just a minute to Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 5. And you may know this as the passage where the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But just before that, uh, uh, the apostle writes this, the acts of the flesh, or is that sinful nature, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a pretty long list, but think about some of these things. You know, sexual immorality is rampant in our culture today. You know, think about all the, uh, the adultery, uh, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality. Even Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, just to lust after someone is a sin. And so, we, we, it, it, you know, you can get caught up in that. Impurity, what does that mean? That's any thought that's motivated in an ungodly way. It is lust, greed, any kind of ungodliness can be impurity. Debauchery, that's overindulgence. You know, partying hardy, uh, participating in anything that, that feels, uh, you know, good even though it's not of God. Uh, anything that's immoral and overdoing it, alcohol and sex and partying hardy, that can be debauchery. Idolatry, that's putting anything ahead of God. Do we have anything in our lives that we put ahead of God? Well, I would go to church, but I need to do this. Or I would serve God, but I don't have enough time because I'm busy doing all this. So that can be idolatry. Witchcraft. You know, back in the, back in the day when this was being written, witchcraft was a little different than what... You know, we think about a lady in a black pointy hat and a long green nose, but they had uh, these... these uh, witch doctors, and they would give you drugs to make you feel these euphoric feelings and that. So we could associate with the drug abuse of today. Hatred. Now, you know, so far, a lot of these, many of us wouldn't participate in, but do we ever have hatred in our heart? Do we ever feel hostility towards somebody? Maybe somebody that did us wrong. You know, the Bible says, you're not supposed to hate people. You're supposed to love people. Discord going against others and bringing disunity and strife into a particular group of people. What about jealousy? Feel threatened about a particular relationship and, and, and so we're, we're jealous of, of somebody or we're jealous because somebody is paying attention to somebody we have a relationship with. What about fits of rage? Anybody try to get the kids ready in the car this morning and, and pitch a fit because they were running late? You know, you're guilty of, of having a fit of rage this morning. Selfish ambition. I want it my way. I don't care what everybody else wants. I want it my way because I think that's the best for me. What about uh, uh, divisions, disagreement? about, uh, that, you know, that leads to discord among people. Factions. You know, that's being part of a small group that's trying to 
take over the larger group and get their way even when the rest of the group doesn't want it. Envy, begrudging what others have, or begrudging a position that somebody has and, and you wish in your mind they didn't have it. It's sort of tied to jealousy, drunkenness, overindulgence of alcohol, orgies, sexual parties. They had those back in the day. They even have them, I understand. Never participated in any, but I understand they still have them today. You know, there's all kind of sin in the world. And some of that we'd say, I would never do that, but some of those, you know, we have done. And we're guilty, just like everybody else. Peter says, abstain from those sinful desires. He goes on to talk about that, that these desires, they war against your soul. You know, they can take you away from God. And Jesus, you know, he warns us against that. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's a little passage of Scripture here. It begins in verse 3. But among you there must not even be a hint. Listen to me. People look at you, it says there shouldn't even be a hint of these things. Sexual immorality. Any kind of impurity or greed. Because these are um, improper for God's people. There should be no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather there should be thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So we got to be careful about how we live. Peter says, listen, abstain from these sinful desires. Now none of us is perfect. We're going to slip up. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because we can't live perfect lives. He had to die for our sins. But as Dennis talked about in the communion meditation, we don't come and take communion because we're perfect. We take it because we understand we're imperfect. And we have a God who went to the cross to die to bring forgiveness. But listen to me. Forgiveness is not a license for sin. So Peter's warning us to abstain from these sinful desires. Now look at what he goes on to say in verse 12. Live good lives in public. He says it like this, live such good lives among, among the pagans. We don't use that word pagan much anymore, but in, in, in this day it was talking about those that did not worship the God of the Bible. They did not worship Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, there are plenty of those people still around. It was the ungodly people of the day. They practiced all kinds of heathen practices. Uh, they delighted in their sinful practices and, and found joy in their revelry. Uh, but, you know, we still have those people today, but we have to live among them. You know, they work with you, right beside you. They work at where you buy your groceries at. They work at Walmart. Uh, they're at your kids' activities. They're all around us. They're wherever you do, whatever your hobby is. They're people who are not striving to follow Christ. We have to associate with those people if we're going to live in this world. We just have to. But we don't have to behave the way they do. 
And in fact, our behavior should be different. See what Peter says? Live good lives among these people. That means, doesn't mean we have to preach to them. You know, we should tell them eventually about Jesus, but it doesn't mean that we're preaching, that we throw our religion up in their face. But really what it has to do with is living by our godly principles that we show people, just like that fruit of the Spirit I talked about, that we, we have love and we have joy and we have peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We don't participate in their ungodly behavior. We also, we don't slander other people. We don't gossip. We don't tell dirty jokes. We don't make fun of others. We're not harsh or argumentative or crude or harassing other people. We live good lives. We should be known as the people of God who are willing to help other people in their time of need that we sometimes are willing to sacrifice that, that uh, we're a person that people can come to and talk to when they have a need. We should be known as a people who pray. You know, when, when you're around pagan people and they get ready to eat and they say, oh, somebody needs to say a prayer. Oh yeah, you're the one. You're our Christian. You say the prayer. We should be calm in the midst of adversity. We should be willing to work on the problems and solve things. We should be the ones living the good life. And we should be pointing them to Jesus. You know, our actions will help, but we still have to use words if we're going to do that. You know, we've been doing this uh, Pray and Go campaign. We have our map up back there where places have been done. Be honest with you, some of you have not gotten out and, and done a very good job of getting these out. We need, we need you to get these door hangers out. We need you praying for these houses and putting these, you know, in their mailbox or in their, their paper box or on their car or on their door somewhere to let them know we have prayed for them and that we care about them so that they will come to know that Central Christian Church is a place that cares in the midst of all the adversity that we're facing in our culture that we're a place. And you know, it even says on the back, if you have more issues that you need help with to, to email us or call us. We want to help people in our culture. Now, I've heard people say, you know, I try to live a good life, but every time I do, it gets thrown in my face. I help people, and it always ends up, I'm getting in trouble, I always get pushed around, I always get done dirty. Listen to this verse. This has become my theme verse for the next few weeks for sure. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. You hear what God's saying? Let's don't get weary. Let's don't get tired of living the good life because one day we're going to reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, he moves on in verse 13. He says, submit to the authorities. Now, here's one we really have a, uh, we have a hard time with, don't we? especially if somebody from our party is not elected. I ain't going to do anything. That's not my president. Well, if you're an American citizen and you don't like the president, he's still your president. I'm sorry. I don't want to get political here. This is not Democrat or Republican. This is about everybody trying to live the same way, and that's the Christ way. And that's what we're called to. Submit means yield to the authority of another. 
So often we get mixed up. And, you know, he's talking about the, the government leader here. And, but it can apply to our leaders at work. It can even apply to our leaders at church. You know, some of us, you know, we have a boss or something, and we say, well, I don't like him. I ain't going to do what he says. You know what happens? That brings disunity into our workplace. And the Bible says that bringing disunity in, we just read that, that's a sin. And so you're no better than that person if you're bringing sin into whatever it is we're talking about. So we, we, we got to learn to live the good life. You remember when Jesus was being arrested? Peter thought, I'm going to fix him. I'm going to cut that guy's ear off. And he blows his sword and he whack. He wasn't trying for his ear. you got to know, Peter didn't say, I'm going to cut Malchus's ear off. He was trying to hit him right square in the head and probably Malchus ducked. But Jesus said, no, put that sword away. He healed the guy's ear. You understand, Jesus is, you know, he didn't say this, but he's indicating this guy's just doing his job. Let him do his job. I'll go face the authorities. I'm going to be submissive. And sometimes we have to do that. Part of the life of faithfulness is following the leaders. Unless those leaders tell you to do something that goes against what God says. Now John, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, Peter and John had been arrested for preaching about Jesus. The, the Jewish authorities arrested them. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, They called Peter and John in again and commanded them not to speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. For as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. In other words, they can go against the authorities when God had told them to do something. So unless God tells you not to do it, you need to obey the authorities. I know that's hard sometimes. But look, our Christian witness comes out in the midst of how we live our lives, no matter what the situation. We don't always have to agree with authorities, but you know there is a respectful way and a disrespectful way to disagree. There is a godly way to disagree with somebody. There is an ungodly way to disagree with somebody. And when we present our ideas, if we come at it with a godly way, with that gentleness that Peter talks about, and, and the truth, then they will be more open to listen to what we have to say. I don't know if you have watched the movie The Crown. It's on Netflix, and it's about the life of Queen Elizabeth and uh, the, the current Queen Elizabeth. Back in the day, you know, not modern times, uh, part of it, but she had a sister named Princess Margaret. And Queen Elizabeth was very busy, and she had some minor engagements that she needed Princess Margaret to go and represent the crown at these engagements. Well, Princess Margaret was just thrilled about this because she didn't think Queen Elizabeth had enough flair about her. So she was going to bring some flair to the crown. And, and she goes into these things, and she cuts up and jokes with the press, and she belittles other dignitaries, and, and she uses foul language, and, you know, she's not very dignitarious or, or whatever the word is that you use. 
Well, it got back to Queen Elizabeth, and she sent Winston Churchill over there to call her out and to remove her from her duties. And so Churchill goes over to talk to Princess Margaret, and he says to her, and explains to her, that she had been report, uh, appointed to represent the crown, not herself. Here's the conversation. Prime Minister Churchill, Your Royal Highness, when you appear in public performing official duties, you are not you. Princess Margaret, of course I'm me. Prime Minister Churchill, the crown. That's what they've come to see, not you. When you go out in public, you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, you represent him. You represent him. You are to live the good life among the pagans. Lastly, he says, live as free people. Again, that's something we sometimes have a hard time with. Uh, Jesus said his disciples, if they would follow him, they would know the truth, and the truth would set them free. But you know what? Here in America, we love our freedom, don't we? I mean, we got that famous song that we see, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Because we love our freedom, don't we? Don't judge me on my singing now. Shouldn't we probably be singing the home of the brave more loudly? Because without the brave, we don't have the freedom. And the freedom that we have does not mean I'm free to do whatever I want to do. I can't just walk up here and punch Eddie Barker in the nose because I don't like something he said. That's not freedom. You know, when I was a little boy, I never locked my doors in my house. Today, I don't dare leave my house without locking my doors. Am I more free now or less free? Because of all the corruption in the world, we're way less free than we used to be. Freedom does not come without responsibility. And that is to live a good life. The more people that live the good life, the more free we are. The less people that live the good life, the less freedom we have. There has to be some constraints on our life. Freedom only works where there's responsible people. And part of what's wrong with the Christian world today is that we take that grace word and we say, that means I can do anything I want to. I can, you know, I can sin all I want because God's going to show me grace. Because I said when I was 12 years old, I believed in Jesus. That's not true. God holds you accountable for your sin. Jesus, listen, Jesus did not go to die on the cross and while he was hanging there say, now y'all can do whatever you want to because I died in your place. So sin all you want to. No, he went to the cross to show us how horrific sin is. In Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death. Whew. Romans 3.23, just before that, said, All have sinned. We're all do that death. But he died on the cross for those that believe in him that they would receive his grace and his forgiveness. And so we're, not, we're no longer held responsible for our sin. But that doesn't free us up to live how we want to. We are called to live such a life that we strive to overcome sin. Not that we'll be perfect, but that we try to be. 
Matt Moser, our youth minister, came into my office right at the point when I was finishing up this sermon and I was dealing with this. And I said, what are you up to, Matt? And he said, I'm going home to work on my fence. I'm building a fence in my front yard. I said, that's nice. He said, yeah, my kids, you know, we, we, our backyard is not level, so it's not good to play. And so my kids like to play in the front yard. <clears throat> but every time they go out there, i got to go out there and i got to watch them closely because they might run out in the road, they might get hit, or there might be a stray dog or a stray cat come along and try to bite them or something. So they're not free. And I thought, free, there's my word. Here's my illustration. He said, so I'm putting up a, friend, a fence, and now they'll be more free to run in the front yard. You understand, God puts some fences up. He calls it sin, and he said, don't cross this line. And it's not that he doesn't want us to enjoy life, because the Bible even talks about the fact that, that sin may bring joy for a season, but he knows in the long run that sin is going to end up bringing harm to your life. It's not going to bring joy. It's going to bring turmoil. And he wants to try to pull you back from that. So he's got these fences that he set up. We're free to live and we're free to work and we're free to worship. But he calls caution on us about stepping over the line into sin. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And so we got to be careful with how we live our lives. We are free. We're just not free to live the life of sin. The last verse here in this section, verse 17, says this. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And here's our connection point. That living faithfully to the Lord means showing respect and love and honor to everyone for the glory of God. You know, look at all the different people he mentions. Well, he mentions everyone. You know what everyone means? Everyone. Okay? He goes on and says, even the, the government leaders, says, be careful how you behave toward the believers, your, your fellow churchgoers. We have to behave towards others in a way that brings glory to God. He called us to live that way. And in the end, he's hoping that they will see the kind of lives we live and they will want to be part of his kingdom. Verse 12, I'll take you back. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they look at you and they say, you stupid Christians, y'all are crazy, y'all are doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, they will come to see the goodness and they will turn to the Lord. Back in the days of Ronald Reagan when he was president, he had a secretary of state named George Schultz. George Schultz uh, was over all of the ambassadors sent out to all the other countries. And whenever he would meet with one of those ambassadors in his office, he had this big globe and he would spin it around and tell them to show him where their country was. 
the country they were assigned to. And, you know, they would put India or China or Great Britain, wherever it was. And he had one guy that came in to talk to him. He was a former senator and a good friend of his. And he was the ambassador to Japan. His name was Mike Mansfield. And when they spun the globe, Mansfield stopped it and put his finger on the United States of America. He says, this is my country, but I represent this country over here in the country of Japan. I just want you to picture in your mind, we just talked about the fact that the Bible says you are a citizen of heaven. You represent heaven, Jesus Christ. When you go out into this country, the United States of America, be a good ambassador. You might be a bad golfer. You might be a bad skydiver. Only once will you be bad at that. But be a good disciple at whatever you do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, it challenges us. It calls us to think about our lives. You know, we should do that every Sunday when we take this communion meal. But Lord, especially now as we're thinking about being these disciples, as, as you know, we think about living the kind of life that you've called us to. It's a kind of life that's a good life. And you tell us in your word it's the best life. And that in the end we'll reap the greatest blessings of all. If we'll strive to live this, we know we're not perfect. That's why Jesus died on the cross. We know we seek your grace and your forgiveness every day. But help us to have this mindset that we want to strive to live for you. That we want to live faithfully in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.